All right, everybody. So we're starting a new series today, but I want to pray. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, in 31 minutes and 51, 50, 49, 48 seconds, help me, Jesus, communicate uh, this word. I thank you for what you already did in the first experience and what you already did in in uh, an online campus. And I thank you for what you did in the other campuses, Lord. You you, you, you moved. And we ask, I just ask that you move again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. And may nothing I say get in the way of what you're going to do. And we receive uh, your light in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So um, how many are familiar with the term Advent? Advent, raise your hand if you're familiar with that. Some of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I say. So um, Advent, you know, there's a lot behind that. Um, that word is full, uh, chock full of, of, of uh, theology. Um, it's really kind of preparing us the 25 days before Christmas. So in many respects, Advent's already started. Uh, but we're starting kind of a, like, three-part series that will kind of talk about, really, and surround this season called Advent. Advent could really be summarized as the first coming of Jesus. Are you guys with me, everybody? And one of the texts that really um, helps us see Jesus right is John chapter 1. Um, and we're going to be highlighting John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So if you want to kind of dig into that in your devotions this week or during this Advent experience, it would be great for you to read just John chapter 1 as a whole. But I'm going to uh, just read the verse, the, the fifth verse to you. And this is what it says. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I'll say it again. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome um, that light. So light is, uh, symbolizes, it's a, it's, a, it's a metaphor, it's representative of, of God, God's work in our lives, God's work in the world, God's power, God's presence. It's a very uh, all-encompassing word, this word light. It's very necessary and essential because of darkness, amen? But light always wins. Light always wins. Today's message is entitled, The Light in Us. Could have called it, we need more light in us, but I'm calling it the light in us. Are you with me, everybody? And as I kind of get going, um, I'll set it up by saying this. Have you ever um, struggled to see something uh, clearly? Let me unpack. Let me give you an example, a, a kind of a literal example. How many, uh, you know, don't like to drive at night? Raise your hand if you don't like to drive at night. Okay, so it's, wow, it's a bunch of you. I thought I was alone. I feel so good. I feel so close to all of you right now. <laughs> Um, I don't like to drive at night really that much, especially when it's raining. I, the blood pressure goes up. The stress goes up. I start grabbing the wheel really hard. Um, you can see my knuckles. They get white. I was a deadlifter, so I'm like squeezing this thing very, very hard. My wife's like, it's not a bar. It's a steering wheel. <sighs> I got to relax. Uh, just thinking about it. I'm doing that with the mic right now. Okay. So, and my hands will actually get tired. But um, the, when I've been in the car late at night, driving, raining. And I remember one time I, I, I lost something and it fell on the floor. It wasn't my phone, so don't judge me. Start. Don't do that. Uh, but I had tried to get a piece of gum in my mouth. And it, it wasn't in my mouth, so I didn't drop it. But it, it was trying to get it in my mouth, and I dropped it. And it fell on the floorboard, you know, or somewhere. And I couldn't find it because it was so dark and it was raining. You know, trying to feel around, you know what I mean, while I'm driving, you know what I mean. And, and, and so the only way that I could see clearly, because it was so dark, was to... Are you afraid to say it? To 
turn the light on, right? You got to turn the light on. And so sometimes we just can't see something clearly until we get some more light on it. In fact, we have phrases. I'll, I'll go from a physical example to a figurative example. We have phrases like, um, can you shed a little more light on that subject? Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? Can you please shed a little bit more light on that subject? And so sometimes we don't see the solution. We don't understand the problem. Uh, we're looking for an answer. We can, And we're like, we need more light on the subject. Many of us experience this in a personal way. Some of us see this in different parts of our life. But we all know, if I zoom even further out, that we're living in a dark time in our world today. Yes or no? And how many know we need a little bit more light? And so this opening text is very relevant and this subject is very relevant that we need more light in us. We need light now, probably more than ever, I would venture to say we do. I heard this quote said, let us not ask of the Lord deceitful for deceitful riches, nor good things of this world, nor the transitory honors, but let us ask for more light. Let us ask for more light. So Advent is the first Advent, the second Advent we're anticipating now from where we sit. But back in, in, before Jesus came, Advent was a longing for a hoping for, a waiting for the Savior of the world, waiting for light to come into darkness. That's really what people were um, anticipating, believing for at that time. But Advent is not just about the longing for, the hoping for, the waiting for. What I want to talk about today and an aspect of Advent is Advent is also about facing the darkness. Facing the darkness. Some of you got quiet on that one because you're like, I don't really understand, and so we'll shed some more light on that subject as we go forward. Uh, a theologian, Fleming Rutledge, said, Advent has two faces to it. First face is the face of light. The second face is the face of darkness. The first face is the face of holiday cheer, which we all love and we get excited about. And the other face is the face of holiday pain. Holiday pain. See, we're called as Christians to actually manage that tension between those two. There's a dynamic tension between light and darkness, light in us and darkness in the world. And the question is, how do we navigate that? What does that look like? Most of us don't want to deal with darkness, don't want to face darkness, but it's all around us. In fact, I've said for years as a pastor, during the holidays, we don't necessarily have more problems, but we feel them more. We feel the pain. We feel the suffering. We, we sense the darkness. The truth is, though, we don't want to. And it's just, this is even true, not just of just the world, you know, but it's also true of the church of Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to look for it, look at it. We, don't, we certainly don't want to face it. Francis Bacon said, in order for the light to shine so brightly, the darkness must actually also be present. For, for light to be bright, darkness also must be present. So to the degree which we are able actually to face darkness is to the degree we are able to actually experience light. Is somebody starting to catch the relationship here and where I'm going? I'll unpack this more as we go forward. And so I'll illustrate this with a personal story um, using myself. Obviously, it's a personal story, Pastor. Um, but when I was younger, somewhere between seven and nine years old. My mother's in the crowd. She'll remember this. There's a lot to this particular story. But as a young boy, I was, I was tormented with bad dreams, nightmares. I used to have horrible, horrible nightmares. And 
I, we lived in a wonderful home. It was a beautiful home. But I would go to bed at night literally internally scared to go to sleep because I, I knew it was going to be a rough night. And I don't know how long this went on. I anticipate it went on for a couple of years at least. And during this particular season of my life, I was, uh, I was, I, I couldn't articulate, but I wanted to be free from these nightmares. And they were inside, but there was also some contributions on the outside to what I was facing on the inside, and it had to do with our house. Though we had a beautiful home, um, and, and this is through the eyes of a seven-year-old, uh, we had a heating system that had forced hot water. And if any of you, anybody know what I'm talking about, the, for, the, the baseboard heating, and when the heating system would click on, this forced hot water would go through these baseboards, and it... And to me, as a seven-year-old, it sounded like demons coming to my room. You know, and they're like, I, could, I was confident they were traveling to my bedroom and then surrounded my bed because I had the baseboard heating all around my bed and all around my bedroom. So it was scaring me, like, unbelievably. So if I was awake, I was scared. If I was asleep, I was having a nightmare. It was a terrible season of my life, and I wanted to be free so bad. And I associated this this darkness, not just with the baseboard in my room, but I knew it all stemmed from the then HVAC, HVAC, actually the heating system was this old heating system, in our basement, in the bowels of our home. In the bowels of hell. I mean, the bowels of our home. And, and it, was, it, was, it was down the twisting, winding stairs. We had a split level, and then it, down through the living room, and then went to my father's um, office. And then on the other side of this office was this just... just you know, small wooden door, and there was this, this is where the heater was, and inside this room was undeveloped, it was creaky, dark, I was pretty sure there were murders there when I was a kid, you know, and animals died, and, 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 and you know, I saw a few dead mice when I was a kid there, because my father was always setting traps, and, and, and so it was just, it was scary, it was eerie to me, and I was convinced that every demonic force was on, on the other side of that door. But I got out of bed one night. I don't know what got into me, but I just wanted to be free. And I knew something in me said I have to face this and get over this. So I went down the hallway in the middle of the night, pitch black. Didn't turn on any lights. Don't know why. Just for dramatic effect, I guess. Right? You know those movies when, like, somebody gets hurt and then, and then, and then and they, and they drop their gun and then the person could pick up the gun and easily just the whole thing be over, but they don't? They just drive, you like, just pick up the gun, you know? Turn on the lights there. I didn't turn on the lights. I, I wanted all that. So I, so I go down the stairs, and I come through the living room. I go to the, and I remember grabbing this door, and I begin to cry because I'm so scared. I'm seven, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I'm just, I, my heart's racing, and, and I, just, I was determined. I'm like, I'm not going another night with a nightmare. I'm not going another night. with and, 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 and whatever's on the other side, I am facing it head on. It was just my David and Goliath moment. And I remember opening that door. I'm just thinking there's going to be, you know, a demonic throng there that's just going to consume me. And I'm going to be in the bowels of hell. And, and, and I walk through, and, and it's pitch black. I mean, dark, dark, dark. Could, no light whatsoever. And I just went in the room, and I shut the door. And I just cried myself to sleep. And I remember just being on that basement floor, just sleeping there, eventually falling asleep because I was so tired and exhausted from two years without sleeping. And, and, and then I remember waking up and I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, am I in hell? Because it's still pitch black and the light is not morning yet. And, and so I see a little crack and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I remember like pinching myself like, I'm alive. 
And I start getting, I start getting excited. You know what I mean? I'm start like, I'm, I'm thinking like I, I, I'm okay. I, I, you know, I, I win. You know, and I, and, and I'm starting to hear like a Rocky song, like rising up straight to the top. You know, like I get a little pep in my step, and I'm like, yeah, where are you? Where are you? You know, I'm shadow boxing. You know what I mean? And I leave that room high as a kite. And as God is my witness, I went back to sleep, slept like a baby, and I never had a bad dream from that day forward. For the rest of to this day, I haven't had a nightmare. Because I faced the darkness. And I would just suggest to you, if I had not faced it, I would not have had the light in my life. And I say this because this is unusual. Most people don't, and I have in other areas, not want to grapple with darkness. Most of us don't. In fact, I had a man come not too long ago. This was, you remember when the Boston bombing happened. This is, this is real nightmare. Come to our city. And this man came from the outside of our city, not a native to the area, and he says, Pastor Derek, I would like you to take me to where the Boston bombing was. I want to go there. And something jarred me, kind of hit me. I was thinking to myself, he wants to see what I haven't even seen. And I, and I said, sure. And I remember driving home thinking, why? Why does he want to see what I haven't seen? And I thought to myself, because I don't want to see. I don't want to see I don't want to be reminded of that darkness. And there was a poll done, there was a survey done in New York City, and in a particular area of the city surrounding Ground Zero, 9-11. And thousands of people were surveyed, and they were basically, they were trying to find out how many of those people had actually visited Ground Zero. It was astounding, like 98% had not. And when they were asked why not, they said, quote, they didn't want to face the darkness. They didn't want to face the darkness. This is actually a societal problem. It's actually an individual problem. And what can happen during the holiday spirit is it can numb us up. It can dumb us down. And before you know it, we're, we're not facing the reality of our world. And I want to say something at the outset, you know, that's really important for some of us. But we, we need to get to a place where if we're going to... If we're going to need light, we have to face darkness. It's kind of the paradox of the Christian faith is that when we refuse to face darkness, we yet remain in darkness in some way. The sure, I heard one quote that said, the surest and fastest way to go to hell is to refuse, refuse to believe there is one. It, that's the ultimate expression, right, of just like, I, I'm, not, I'm denying it. I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And... The Christian experience is actually supposed to be anything but that. The Christian experience is supposed to be living in reality. If there was a big idea, it's this. It's that Christians need to learn how to live in reality. We need to learn how to, as it were, manage this tension between holiday cheer and holiday pain, between light and between darkness. Because with your own darkness, and you know this in a measure to be true, maybe you didn't have my crazy basement demonic <laughs> dream story but to the extent that you've allowed light into your life darkness was removed and so John in the book of John chapter 1 he reminds us as a people that if we're going to live with hope we're going to have to face darkness from time to time and John begins with words in John chapter 1, verse 1, that actually sound really similar, if you've ever had any Bible-thumping time, to another place in the Bible. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning, three words, was the word. In the beginning. Have you ever heard that three words somewhere else in the Bible? Yes, we hear it in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis 1, 1 and John 1, 1, there's this clear 
connection between the two. In the beginning, in the beginning. And I would suggest to you, submit to you strongly, that some of the things that God was doing in Genesis 1-1 on the earth, in John 1-1, he's doing in us. If we receive God's light. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all need some more light. Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and it was empty. Isn't that sound like our world today? Has no form, no character. It's, it's empty. It's, it's void. It says in one translation, darkness was over the surface of the deep. It doesn't that sound in some respects like our world today? The same answer today was the answer that light has to come. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. There was light. In the beginning, there was light. Now, God didn't say that for the sake of science. He didn't say that to help our creationism position. He didn't say that from a standpoint and for the sake of science. He was actually making a theological statement. He was basically saying, in a nutshell, when God speaks, there's nothing that can stop it. Oh, I need a better amen from this church. You're not getting what I'm saying. This wasn't just so that you could, in the beginning, God created the heavens. It's not about a creation science thing. I'm not saying it doesn't help that. I'm simply saying to you, the bigger statement, the bigger subject, the more theologically practical point is that God says something and it happens. God said, let there be light. And there was light. There was no committee. There was no procedure. There was no vote. He said it, and that settles it. Can I have an amen? amen. It's like, and God wants us to have that. And you look in the Old Testament, you see different examples in the New Testament where God's trying to say to you and to me, do you see me like that? Like you look at the story of the centurion with the sick daughter. Some of you know this story. I'll highlight it, paraphrase it. But a centurion who had people under him. He, had, he was a person of authority. He had a daughter who was sick, and he comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is sick. Can you help me? Jesus says, of course. I'm, I'm on my way. He says, no, 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 Savior. No, 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 Jesus. You don't have to come. You just need to say it. You just need to say, my daughter is whole, and that settles it for me. All you need to do is speak a word. This centurion saw Jesus in Genesis, not just Jesus in the here and now in front of him. He, he must have known something. I think Jesus probably looked at him. Did, did he, does he see that I was the same God in Genesis that spoke and cast the stars into the sky and dispensed the galaxies and did all and created earth and light and darkness? Does he see me like that? Because if he does, that's probably why he can say to me, just say the word. That same word that changed the earth is the same light and the same word that can change your world, that can change your situation. Are you with me, everybody? And, and so when God says a word, there's nothing that can stop it. That's good news. But then, uh, and by the way, some of us need a word like that, don't we? Some of us need God to speak a word to change certain circumstances in our life. But I would just ask you this question. You might need a word like that, but a prerequisite, a prequalifier is, do you have the faith of the centurion? Because maybe there's a direct connection between the light that you need, the change that you need, the miracle that you need, and how you see God. Your relationship with him a lot of times is affected by your view of him. 
So John begins and he makes a clear connection between Jesus and Genesis. I think it's powerful. John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, excuse me, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So just walk away thinking today, the same, the same Jesus, because maybe this is not clear to some of you that are new to the church. Jesus came to earth, John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among men, John 1.14. So remember, this, this chapter is chock full of theology. So what does that mean? Before Jesus became flesh, God incarnate, before he came and became a human being on earth, which is an important part of our theology, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, the incarnation, God becoming flesh, and all the things about that are powerful. But before that, he was the word. He was the word of God. Whenever you see the word, you think Jesus. Is everybody with me right now? Okay. And so in the beginning was the word. Who is that? That's Jesus. And he was the word that created the earth, and he's the word that can create change in your life as well. Then John goes on, and you see this is a little, um, some of you will love this part, but this is where we get a little bit of our Trinitarian theology. Trinity, everybody familiar with that word? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A lot of times some of you guys come from a Catholic background, and you're still doing your prayers here at the altar, and that's okay. I think it's kind of cute, uh, and I like that. Uh, we believe in the Trinity, okay? God is qualitatively and quantitatively one. We serve one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You actually mirror God. You're created as a triune being. You have a body of a soul and you have a spirit. You're created in his image. That image is shown and reflected as early back as Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It's right there. The Trinity is right there in the beginning. Let us create man in our image. Us. Who's us? The Trinity. I'm preaching up in here some theology. Okay, but in John chapter 1, there are these three theological truths right in the first verse. Look at this, everybody. We see, this is a, at a minimum things that we could see. Number one, we see the pre-existence of Jesus. Everybody say pre-existence. So I want you to see that before he came to earth, he was. He was what? He was the word. He was the word before he came to earth. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. Pre-existence. Before he became a human, he existed. Can I have an amen? Okay. Then number two, the coexistence of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The coexistence of Jesus. He was with God. This is somewhere, this is where the formations of our Trinitarian theology come from. Number three, the self-existence of God. Then he says the Word was God. In other words, no one brought Jesus into being. He was. He is. He's eternal. There was, he has no beginning and end. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He, he's, he's always existed. No one brought Jesus into being. He existed from all eternity. So we see the pre, the co, and the self-existence of God. Now, it's important because sometimes you can get sidelined and sidetracked in your beliefs. The Bible tells us to watch your life and doctrine closely. That's why we had what's known as the Nicene Creed. Some of you were raised in a church, in a denominational church, and a lot of our evangelical brothers and sisters support this creed. We do too. It's kind of a summary, uh, a, like almost a super, a super summation of our statement of faith. And the reason that it had to be done back in, uh, I don't know, it was like 325 A.D. was because there was all these divisions in the church. People were starting to throw out uh, the, the, the appropriate theologies of God from God's word. So they formed this Nicene Creed. I want to read this to you. Are you guys with me? 
We actually sang a song today that supported this, which I was so proud of, that came up. It says this. Let's read it together. It says, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten but not made, one in being with the Father, through him all things were made. This is known as the Nicene Creed, and it was meant for a big word, ecumenical unity. It kept everybody from pulling away and getting all sidetracked and sidelined in false doctrine. But John really is doing this in his word. He's establishing healthy perspective, and he's helping us see that Jesus was more than a human. Um, he was more than a healer. He was more than a miracle worker, more than a rabbi, a teacher. He was more than even a friend or a discipler. He was the son of the living God. He was God of God, and he was light from light. Are you there, everybody? So John goes out of his way to do this, and then he introduces a new thought in verse 5. He says this. He says, he starts basically to talk about darkness. So you don't talk about darkness until you first establish light. And in verse 5, he says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. Just like the darkness couldn't overcome, just like the void, and just like the emptiness, and just like the chaos of Genesis could not overcome God's light, God's light can't overcome the darkness that's in our world. Excuse me. The darkness can't overcome God's light here today. The same way. The same the same way we had voids in the earth, emptiness in the earth, formlessness in the earth, chaos, darkness in the earth, we have that in our world today. I want you to see it through the earth in Genesis, but through you in John. You have parts of you that aren't formed right. You have parts of you that are empty, that have voids. You have parts of you where you're wrestling darkness. And the only solution for that is God's light. Are you there, everybody? And so at the beginning, we see this... This, this, this need to confront darkness. In fact, in the book of John, there are nine occasions where there's these conversations and confrontations with, with darkness. In fact, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night to talk to him. Nick at night. <laughs> You'll remember that from now on. There are multiple examples. There are multiple examples of this. And what John is trying to do through the book of John using Genesis as a reference point, is say to you that the world is out of sync without God's light. Out of sync, you could, you could relate it to sin, not individual sin, but a condition of man, a condition of sin. More of a prevalent problem than an individual problem. More stained by sin than situational sin. The world apart from God is simply out of sync and something is wrong. And so we're going to have to face darkness. I like this. It says our ability to be honest about darkness is not about being pessimistic but realistic about it. It's about living in reality. See, sometimes we see darkness but we're negative about it. Man, this world, whew, it's bad. This world sucks. It's terrible. It's so bad. You know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can go another day. You know what I mean? Like people, we're, we're this way sometimes with, with other subjects. You know, people like, they get, uh, everybody's sick. The world's sick. I'm sick. Think I'm going to be sick tomorrow. Because <laughs> it's just normal to be sick. You know, that's pessimism, okay? A realist says there is sickness in the world. 
but I'm going to beat it in Jesus' name. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I recognize that sickness, but I'm an overcomer. How are you feeling today? I'm not feeling that great. The fact is I'm not feeling that great, but by faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to be healed, and I'm going to overcome this problem. It's a realism, everybody. It's, it's living in reality is the Christian experience. Are you there? And sometimes I think about the dark places that we face in our lives. And, and I, a lot of times when I think about you, uh, when I'm talking to people like you, I'll ask a couple questions. I'll say, I'll say things like, what's most important to you in this season right now? Or, what, you know, what's on your mind? What are you feeling? What are you, what, are you, what, what are you feeling right now? How are you doing? When I ask questions like that, you know what surfaces immediately? It's not the holiday spirit and cheer. It's pain and suffering. Sometimes... Sometimes we don't want to ask those questions of ourselves. Sometimes it's, it's so unusual for somebody to ask us those kind of questions, and it's our temperament, our spiritual temperament sometimes, to push those things down, to just, just push those things aside and not face those things. Newlyweds that just got married, and they're wondering if they're going to make it right out of the gate. The guy without a job, with no job in sight. The person who's been struggling with mental illness for a long, long time and just wondering, will I ever be able to get over this thing? Somebody who's maybe battling depression and anxiety. Somebody who's recently got divorced and is afraid of being alone. And, 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 and sometimes it's facing the hatred of the world. This is one of my, this is one of my concerns. Is I, I, I struggle with just being vulnerable. I struggle with the evil in the world. Like I don't have a problem with foolish people, people that make mistakes. You know, foolish, I have a problem with evil. Evil's hard for me. I don't want to face that evil. I can't, because I, I, I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. And, but, but here's our tendency, though, or here's, here's, here's a common tendency, I think, for Christians, is a lot of times we, we, we talk about the darkness that's out there. Oh, man, that world, that world that we're living in is dark, it's dark, it's dark. It's dark. Everywhere is dark except... We don't want to talk about locate, spend any moments on the darkness that's in here. A lot of times we're focused on the darkness, if at all, that's out there, but not necessarily the darkness that's in here. We dare not deal with the darkness within sometimes our twisted desires, our rage, our wounds from childhood, our emptiness, our fear, and then our associated coping mechanisms, our addictions and the ways that we medicate these things, our technology that can kind of mask these things and assuage these things and sometimes just postpone these things. The point is we all, come on somebody, we all live in some form of darkness. But we don't want to face it. But that's not living in reality. Advent reminds us that often our world and our lives are overtaken by the powers of darkness. And I've been trying to spend more time locating those areas in my life, praying for you. We just had a prayer meeting here yesterday. And the Holy Spirit, uh, this may sound weird to some of you, and it's okay. Uh, I don't mind being seen weird sometimes. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he gave me a picture. I don't usually get these either, but I had a picture of like a lighthouse on this platform. And the light was shining, and it was panning the room, and it, the room was full just like this. And the, and the light was panning the room over the people, and this is what the people were doing. They, don't, they didn't want the light to shine on them. And the reason they kept bobbing and weaving to keep away from the light is because there was an assumption that the light was there to expose darkness, not expel it. 
See, sometimes we don't face the darkness because we think it's about exposing, laying bare and exposing our sins before all. That's not the intent of God's light. The intent of God's light is not to expose darkness, but to expel the darkness from your life. Can I have an amen out there? Verse 4 and 5 says this. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then I want to show you something powerful. He goes on in, in, in the following verse. He, he, refers, he refers everything to the past tense. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it was in the beginning. He was in the beginning, and through him all things that were made. Without him nothing that was made was made. That has been in him. You guys get the point? It was all past tense. And then in verse 5, something shifts, and it's relevant to us. And, and John does this on purpose. It, the, the language, the verbiage, this is really good for students of the word, it changes to the present continual tense. It moves from past tense to present continual. And then it says in verse 5, not, no longer does it say was and were, has been, it says the light shines. This is a present term. It keep, in other words, the darkness, John's trying to say to you and me, the darkness is going to keep coming. I understand that, sir, man, boy, or girl. The darkness is going to keep coming, but the light is going to keep on shining. And the light will always overcome the darkness. Are you there, everybody? It keeps on shining. Another translation says, and the darkness has not overcome it because the light, in other words, it's, it's perpetual motion. Another translation says, and the darkness can't comprehend it. The darkness is like, I don't know what to do with this light. I just can't seem to win. Another translation says, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. You can throw water on it. You can put a blanket over it. It's just going to keep on shining. That's what this word is saying there in the Bible. It's possible, though, for some of us to, 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 it's possible, even though the light is shining, to still be living in darkness, though. See, darkness defined is, it's anywhere where we have not given God access or permission to bring his light into our lives. In short, darkness is simply the absence of light. The reason there's darkness in any way, shape, or form in the world and in our world is because of the absence of God's light in our life. Light, light, light is shining, but it requires us to open up. Years ago, I went on a trip with our executive pastor, Pastor Jerry. We were going to Pennsylvania to his old church. Not old people, old church, so don't judge. It was a great opportunity because I got to see where he came from. I enjoyed it so much. It was so telling about Jerry. I learned so much about Jerry going to his old church. For one thing is they work you to the bone. And so I get there to speak. I got a two-day thing. And I was the only speaker. And I spoke like nonstop. Like, are we going to take a break? No, just keep going. You know, it was like seven hours of, of speaking. And, and I, I remember saying, is there anybody else? Nope, just you. You know, can we, can we take a break? You know, anyway. Another story, another day. So anyway, I, I, uh, I'm exhausted. We go back to the hotel after that, and he goes to his room, and I go to mine. I go, bro, I, I got I to gotta get some sleep. I'm, I'm crashing fast. Get in my room, and the room at the hotel, you know these really good hotels, it has these blackout curtains, right? You're like, oh, thank you, God, for the blackout curtains. Praise the Lord. I'm getting ready. to. It's going to be tales of the crypt in here. I am going... I'm going into the shadows to sleep and never come awake, come alive, you know. And I'm so excited. So I set my alarm, parentheses, and so I thought, 
I set my alarm because we got to get up and I got to speak again because they're going to work me to the bone again. And, 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 I, and, and I go to sleep and I shut the curtains. Anyway, hours pass. I get up in the middle of the night because I'm 50, something at that time. No judgment. As I'm coming back, I'm like, oh, praise God. It's, you know, it's still dark out. I still got more time to sleep. And I just, I want to get the max. So sometimes you guys do this. I went over to the blinds to just make sure they were tight because I don't want even a crack of light to come in. You all do that, don't you know? I go over there, and what happened was I wiggle them a little bit. And as soon as I wiggle them, bam, like a crack of light comes through. And all of a sudden, several things happen. One is I realized the light was shining even though it was dark in here. And it was morning. I realized that it was like two hours like had already gone by and I was late and I need to get up and get going. Like my alarm didn't go off. I set it for p.m. instead of a.m. Because it was so dark, I couldn't see. The second point I want to make is that, is that those curtains, though, though they were so thick, but when that light came in, I woke up and, and, and immediately because that lit just a crack of light was so powerful in its ability to permeate all of that darkness. And it was a picture for me. It was like an illustrative sermon. I was just like, oh my gosh. It was pitch black here in a moment. And all I did was, and the light came in. And I'm just here to say that that's what God wants to do in your life. Some of you, there's some area of darkness in your life. Some of you, there's some area of darkness in your world. And God's like, would you shake the curtain a little bit? Would you just peel that back a little bit and just let a little bit more of my light into your life at this time? I'm not here to lay bare or uncover all your mistakes. I'm here to remove the darkness. I'm here to expel it from your life. But how is it possible that light is always shining and yet sometimes it's not living in us and a lot of it is because we won't open up. And so God is not coercive. He's not manipulative. He's not trying to force his way on our marriages and all the problems there. He's not trying to force his way into the addictions and strongholds we have in our life, to the childhood trauma, to the hurt and to the rejection. He invites us. He invites us to bring light in. Four things that Advent offers, and I'll do these so fast so don't be nervous. Advent invites us to identify the darkness in us. <clears throat> Where are the places of suffering, unhealed pain, addictions, and brokenness? Let me say it like this. What keeps you up at night like it kept me up at night when I was seven? What are you afraid of? Advent invites, Advent invites you to face the darkness in us. Advent invites us to locate the darkness around us as well. In our workplace, in our school, in our neighborhood, in our families, there are people suffering around you. And Advent is inviting you to shed the light that you have on others, to be a light bearer for someone else. Advent, in number three, invites us to resist the ways of darkness. See, darkness wants to consume the light. Darkness wants, wants to consume your life. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. How does he do with darkness? And that's why we must submit to God, resist the devil, so that he'll flee. Are you with me in Jesus' name? And then Advent invites us not to fear the darkness. And that's that picture. I don't care what kind of darkness is in your life. God is trying to say to you through his word in John 1, in Genesis 1, and even through this primitive story, if you just open up a crack, you let him in just a little bit, you stop covering all that up, oh my gosh, Light is so powerful. Darkness can never overcome the light of Jesus Christ 
in your life. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you? Or did you guys get something out of this today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hey, if you're going to clap, let's clap. Let's honor Jesus for his word. Thank you, God, for your word. Your word is powerful. It is alive, Lord, it's, and it's alive in us. That's what the Bible says, the word of God is living and active. But I always say it's living and active if we live and act on it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for two groups of people. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Maybe it's what's keeping you up at night. Where are you afraid? Like PD was when he was a boy. Where's there darkness in your life? Can you locate it? Are you, are you ducking? Are you ducking that light of God that's sweeping over your soul right now? Or will you just receive it and embrace the light into your life right now by the Spirit of God? Maybe you're stuck in sin and bad habits and maybe you're hopeless in your relationship. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Will you let light in? If you're here today and you want to let a, bit, a little bit more light into your life right now and you're willing to be a little bit more open to the Spirit of God, and I would just say, listen, to people, to people. That's why you're in a church, everybody. You need people to help you to open that stuff up, get some counsel, get some advice, get some prayer down front here. When's the last time you got prayer at church? How many times do you come in and go out and you just wonder why things don't change, but you didn't open up? The altars are open today, and they're open for you. In fact, I'm going the prayer team come right now. The altars are open for you today to receive some light. Maybe you need to come down during this next song and receive some of that light. Can I tenderly ask you, can you open up the curtains in your life? Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted the light of Jesus Christ into your life to be, to be your Savior. He came into the world to rescue you, ultimately rescue you. And the win is that you could be with him eternally, forever and always. And so when you know that that, that win is present in your life, you can face this life a lot better because the, the sting of death is gone. The fear of, of separation from God, from God is gone because you've received Jesus. If you've never received Jesus today, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. When you raise your hand on three, you're saying, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my light, as my Savior, as my Lord today. I don't want to go into this holiday season, the cheer or the pain, without Jesus at the center of my life. I'm willing to open up. On the count of three. One, two, three. That's me. Raise your hand. Good night. Oh my gosh. All of them. Good night. Good night. Courage. Take courage. Take courage. Stop in the last service. We had over 20 decisions for Jesus in the last service. Same thing here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good night. I can see you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's so, I'm so proud of you. That's because... <laughs> This is the answer. Jesus is the answer. So I want you to pray with me. Say out loud what I'm saying. All of you join me. Say this. Say, Jesus, I receive your light into my life today. I want to live in reality. I'm not going to run from darkness. I'm going to face the darkness. I'm going to live and manage that tension. But I'm going to trust you while I'm doing it. I believe light is coming to the world. But I believe light now is coming to my world. I receive by grace through faith, what Jesus did for me, paying for my sins, past, the present, and the future. And by faith right now, I'm saved. I receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, let's thank God for all those decisions. 
that were just made. I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you.